First Kings chapter 18, we read from verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O traveler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. Father, this is your word. We bless it. We sanctify it. We give you all the glory for it. We believe it. We receive it. And we therefore declare it. We thank you that for the God you have sanctified it for such a time as this. And your word will never return void. The Bible declares while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard. May the Holy Spirit fall upon us today, even as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I will not try to explain the verses that we have opened, but these verses are the basis on which my sermons going forward will, will, be, or will be based. Ne? They are just the foundation. All right. But the key thing here is that we see Elijah, who is a man with like passions as we are, or similar natures and he prayed that it would not rain for the space of three and a half years there was no rain he then came back again prayed that it should rain and rain came back and the bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous it avails much it's a ceaseless prayer it's a consistent prayer it's a committed prayer it's not a prayer that you do you happen to pray by chance i felt like praying you know today no 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 you pray whether you feel like it or you don't praying over the a particular matter consistently so that type of prayer it then causes god to have a, a, a monologue to speak to himself and say what would be the reason not to answer a persistent prayer because it shows your mutuona is determined that this prayer ought to be answered and a god is not a man that he should lie because at some point he said we should pray without ceasing we should pray a ceaseless prayer and why would he tell us to do that if he will not answer so elijah prayed a fervent prayer and there was no rain the problem with us is we receive prophecies and we forget to incubate them through prayer 
And that's why no matter what prophecy you received, at times some of them don't come to pass. You know why? Because the devil believes it's going to come to pass. So he doesn't wait for it to almost happen. He blocks it before it even wants to happen. So that it doesn't happen at all. But that is where you and I need to come through prayer and fight the good fight of faith and decree it and declare it until it comes to pass. The word alone is not enough. Yes, he said the word will not return void. But we we are needed in the process of the word not returning void. You need to be actively engaged in the whole process for the word never to return void. How many words did God speak and some of them have not come to pass? It's not that God was not faithful. It's just that in the process, we let our own faithfulness. Do you know a verse that says, for as long as the earth remains, that is Genesis chapter 8, there will be day and night, cold and heat, summer and winter, seed time and harvest time. You and I, we can't create day and night. You and I can create heat or cold. We can create summer and winter. But we can be actively involved in this one of seed time and harvest time. God is faithful. He's watching over our seeds. If we can only produce seeds, he will produce the water and the sun for the seed. So that they can be the harvest. And the fact that there's no harvest doesn't constitute God as a liar. But it simply questions our active involvement in sowing seeds. Did we sow seeds? Because he's ready with the water. And he's ready with the sun. And if there's no harvest, it simply means there was no seed in the ground. So let's go back to the issue of the altars. The tabernacle has two altars. One altar, which is very key. You you should not even attempt to go to the altar of incense, which is the altar of prayer. Before you actively engage on the altar of sacrifice, which is the brazen altar. So, why the two altars are so important is because fire, when it comes, and fire is the symbol of the presence of God. When the fire comes... It goes, it visits the two altars, the altar of incense and the altar, the brazen altar where your sacrifice is. When the smoke goes up, Murimu then receives it and embraces it and then he answers. If he's not pleased with our sacrifice, he will not accept the sweet smelling uh, aroma of the smoke and the sweet smelling aroma of the prayer, which is symbolized by the incense. When fire is on that incense, it then produces a smell, an aroma, a scent. It's like a perfume. When we sacrifice, what then happens, they will take the blood, sprinkle it over the, the tabernacle. And then in the whole tabernacle. When fire comes on the altar of incense, the incense produces the aroma that is sweet. It then kills the smell of blood. It then brings the smell of God in the whole tabernacle. When the presence, the fire hits on the incense, it then produces a sweet smelling aroma. 
and then which suggests that God is in the house. Now here's the thing. How about Revelation chapter 8, if not chapter 5, I can't remember. I think it's chapter 5. It says, the angel is standing by the altar of incense with fire. And then Ulaita incense. And then he combines the incense with the prayers of the saints. What is happening now? And then he takes that combo. He then presents it to God. Which means you are sure of an answer regarding your prayers. Because your prayers are not just prayers now. They are combined with the smell that God likes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the three things on the altar, it is the sacrifice, it is the the prayer or declaration, it is the fire, the presence of the Lord. Now, we have noticed uh, that every time someone builds an altar, there will be fire, there will be a sacrifice, there will be a declaration of prayer. Okay, I read a brief example. Abraham sacrificed Isaac. All right? Uh, Isaac says, I see the fire, I see everything else, but where's the sacrifice? He didn't know that he was the sacrifice. Ne? So we see the sacrifice there, and then the fire, the son spoke of the fire, and then the declaration of the prayer. That is when God and Abraham speak. No, don't sacrifice with your son. Open your eyes. There's a ram. A ram is a prophetic picture of Jesus. What is a ram? It's, it's a male sheep with horns. The horns, the crown of thorns. So he says, there's a ram. There's Jesus who will be ultimately sacrificed. But for now, take that ram. Sacrifice it instead of your son. Here's the thing about a sacrifice. Verse 1. Remember, fire is the presence. The sacrifice that which you give to God. And then uh, there must be a prayer or a declaration. Ne? Here's the thing about the sacrifice. The sacrifice you give to God must be able, and I want to highlight this, it must be able to communicate with God. Abraham in this whole process is symbolic of God the Father. Isaac symbolic of God the Son. And then, and then obviously there will be a declaration and whatnot. Ne? Now, the, the sacrifice... Isaac speaks with the father. Fast forward. New Testament. The sacrifice Jesus on the cross, on the altar, speaks with the father. He then tells the father what to do. Father, forgive them for they do not know. That's why the sacrifice had to be spotless. Had to have no wrinkles. Had to be the best. Because if it is the best, According to the prescriptions of God, then that sacrifice will speak to God. Your sacrifice on your altar must be good enough such that it is able to communicate with God. Sometimes when we bring our sacrifice to the altar, maybe it is not that fat. Maybe it's not communicating with God. The, The only reason you and I are born again today is because the sacrifice that was on the cross was able to communicate with God on our behalf. And when the aroma of the sacrifice reached the heavenlies, God was pleased and God did exactly what the sacrifice required. Both altars, you can't go to them without repenting. Or in Jesus in the New Testament, or when you bring something to the altar and there you remember there's an issue. Before you even give, go and fix that issue. 
go and repent, go and forgive, go and be forgiven, then come back and offer. Another thing, on the other altar, the altar of incense. The Bible says, when you pray, forgive someone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Issue of altar call. This place called the altar when you're in church, it's crucial, it's important, it's imperative in many ways than one. That's why altar. And then Muruti will then declare what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. That's why how about divorce? They can't even go back to the altar and divorce there. Because a marriage was meant to be permanent. Why? It was established where? In the altar. Officiated in the altar. That's why how about divorce? How about about divorce? By elsewhere in the court. Altar is important. It's a place where declarations and decrees are done and legislations are done in the spiritual realm. That's why when people get to be born again, we do what? An altar call. So that they will declare themselves to God at the altar. Okay, but what if what if I just decided and then didn't go to that? It's still fine. But overnight the importance of coming forward. That's why when we pray for the sick, we call them to the altar. Do you see the importance of the altar? It's because we want when the prayer is done, when God answers, it must be permanent. So it's important for you to understand the power of the altar and now that you are that guy who gives in the altar court and you are that guy who prays on the altar of incense now we fuse the two altars and then we get the cross of jesus and now that your altar is now the cross of jesus wherever you walk you walk carrying the altar you can therefore decree and declare anyway hence the bible says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it is life, it is the power of God, it is salvation. Because we understand the secret. Elijah, who appeared before Ahab, worry, how long will you falter between two opinions? Now what did Ahab do, He went and married Jezebel. If you have other gods, it poses a threat to the Lordship of God. You are then saying to God, you are not good enough. So that's why when, when you come having other gods, God God will, will, will come at you with his all. Elijah appears to Ahab, how long will you falter between two opinions? Are you saying Baal is God or God is God? So if Baal is God to you, follow him. If God is God, follow him. But choose one, don't be in between. So obviously the altars were done. The God who answers by fire, he is God. The people of Baal, could not bring their God to answer, but Elijah brought God to answer and fire came down. And they started saying, God is God. But here's the thing I want you to know. But they took the challenge, not because they were taking chances, but because they believed in Baal. And they knew that Baal can deliver. Why didn't Baal deliver this time? All these other gods can deliver up until Someone stands for the real God. And if there's no one standing for the altar of God, then the other gods can deliver. But these other gods know when God comes, we cease to function. On that contest, there was already Elijah declaring, my God is God. 
So Baal could not answer on his altar. He was ready to answer on condition no one was standing for the altar of God. We have we have things happening momakeshining arona you know why is because people are standing for the altars such as Zabal but no one is standing for the altar of God. We declare to be Christians, we declare to be the children of God but we have no altar. We don't pray, we don't give, we don't live a holy life, we don't have the presence of God, we just have a label that says Christian. But bana on the on the contrary they give on their altar there was a sacrifice there was wood there was everything that is ready for the altar to consume with fire the only thing that was missing was fire because the competition's rules were that there must be no fire fire must be brought by god otherwise the fire like elijah and the people of the idols they are not only worshiping idols for the sake of themselves only but they are also pulling down other people or lo angeka progress ngiyomdiklera kule altar yam understand so liwana you must undo what they are doing in your altar babang ishuari mohlomong ha hona misebetsi hona menyalo ha hona this ha hona that this is not progressing it might be an issue where someone is standing on the balance altar declaring you mahulo angeke shem come hello high waters So you need to have your own altar and declare yabona mina nomdeni wami siyophumelela ngegama lika Jesu mina nomdeni wami this and this and that this and this declare it in your altar Jesus wanted those people who were crucifying him to be forgiven what did he declare on the altar Father forgive them without them repenting he spoke on their behalf he declared omung arikwena today you'll be with me in paradise on the altar that is where you legislate that is where you control things just imagine ne? if jesus on that cross was saying nothing and on the contrary the thief is saying things i declare i declare i declare you and i would have not been born again yes. so it's important it's how omong are if you were the son of god this guy is far better than us another declaration which means i'm undoing in my altar what you are doing in your altar then jesu wakena he oroke wena today nali wana ra paradise so you see where there's power on altars Many people could not see the dialogues and, and conversations that were taking place on the three altars. If Jesus on his altar kept quiet, Baba ithunthwetse nebadi buwane ditlwetsa hala. But because he's there on the altar and he spoke, he's undoing every negative things. He changed everything. When oh, I'm a thief, I'm not a thief, you are a thief. When you spoke well and therefore I I exalt you. No tsantse o shwe ho fele ka wena but wa paradise. He changed everything where on the altar. Having the altar alone is not enough. But there must be declarations on the altar. There must be prayers on the altar. So this indeed is the hour of prayer. Even if you are in the altar or the hour of prayer rather and you don't even know what you say. Just by honoring the appointment is enough. He honors that. I love what you said Tauri in your testimony um people had connections out all amisibits but when you had none except the fact that you were praying. So do you see that 
Mudimu gave you results. Tabatuba connected. When you were not even connected. But your connection was God. I want to encourage you to pray. Honor your hour of prayer. Even if it's not the whole hour, but honor that appointment. Don't spend the day before praying. Declare your day to God. Go to your altar. Go to a secret place of prayer. And just tell God your plan for the day. And tell him to smooth. If there's anything of the enemy, I close it. Because you don't know. He knows. And at the end of the day, go back to God. Account to God, okay, this is what has happened. Thank you, I've seen your hand. Declare things on your altar. I will assume this, I will imagine in my mind, this is your altar. Please consume with your fire. Do what you do best. So always take your prayer seriously and God will answer you. When he answers, he answers by fire. God bless you.